Amen. Can we put our hands together and give God a cheer today? You're so good, Lord, and amazing. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. God bless you and everyone that's uh, showed up this morning. And uh, I know there's many that uh, today, actually, something different and new uh, in our state is they've opened up Sunday for hunting. And uh, so uh, I'm, I'm glad to see everybody here that's a hunter. Uh, it shows very commitment and loyalty. But for those who are in your stand right now or in the woods and you're streaming this sermon, we're handing out $100 bills to everybody that showed up today. No, we're not, that's not, we're not doing that. Um, but God bless you. You know, hope, Hopefully you're streaming it. I don't know. Uh, but uh, or watching it later. Uh, but anyways, you, you know, it's just such a beautiful day in our state. I love the seasons of our state and uh, where we live. And so um, I enjoy it thoroughly. And, uh, but uh, today it's supposed to be a high wind, and so you're supposed to batten down the hatches and hold everything down, I guess, that can uh, blow away in your neighborhood. Uh, that's kind of a good thing, because you worked real hard this week in breaking leaves, and now they're going to be all over your neighborhood and uh, distribute it to the neighbors, and you're going to share the love there. So, you know, I, I thought that was amazing. I, I, I raked this, you know, two big piles, and suddenly they're gone, and uh, I thought, well, that's a miracle. God, you have blessed it. And I looked over across the road there, and they're over there. So, um, you know, our, our prayers are, are with them today. Anyways, uh, you know, uh, for the rest of you who still have to rake the leaves and do all those things, uh, you know, get to it. But uh, I'm very thankful that uh, we're entering into a, a season, a holiday season of Thanksgiving and giving and focusing on the Lord and focusing on uh, godliness. And, and uh, right? Amen. And, and no matter, you know, some people, they want you to eat outside and other people, they, you know, want you to eat with just yourself and a TV dinner or whatever. I don't know what the rules are there, but uh, no matter what, we're still going to be thankful. We're still going to, we're going to uh, really see um, kind of just the blessing of the holidays, really. And so with family and friends. And so anyways, uh, you know, with the communion today, I just wanted to share. Um, I'm going to read the scripture. We're going to pray. And I just wanted to share on really on relationship and freedom because we took communion and I thought it would be fitting today. Relationship and freedom. In 2 Peter chapter 3, you'll turn in your Bible or click on your device. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I love this scripture. It's just full of truth and full of life. I love it. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. And He's talking about the promise of His return and what would happen when He returns and the way that He works and in His salvation. But... The Bible says he's not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And Paul reminds Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, he says, God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I want to talk to you just for a few moments today about um, relationship and freedom. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you, Lord, that you are working. You are moving. I can't see it a lot of times, but I know, Lord, you're moving. Lord, I know you're working on not just my behalf, but on my family and, and those that I know and I love, Lord, and our nation and the world, those who are praying and living and serving you, Lord. I, I, I know that, Lord, you are moving and working on the behalf of the righteous you said you would, Lord. Lord, today, as we get into your word, I pray that your word would get into us. As we examine your word, I ask that your word would begin to examine us so that when we leave this place and carry your word, your word would carry us. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said, Amen. 
you know, I, I know that when it comes to repentance, you have to talk about relationship and freedom. Repentance has a, really a lot to do with uh, relationship and freedom. It has everything to do with relationship and freedom. I don't hear a lot of people talking about repentance today because I think that we look at it maybe as it's, it's a negative connotation. Maybe somebody uh, told it to you the wrong way or maybe you read it the wrong way. But relation, or, you know, repentance is something wonderful. I wanted to just focus on that today because there's two things that we see in the scriptures that the, really the Lord's plan is and brings us to. How many know He brings us to relationship and He brings us to freedom? How many believe that? Amen. That salvation is about relationship and freedom. And that, and that Jesus really came to give His life for relationship and for freedom. So that we would know true relationship to God, right? Is that right? And that we would know true freedom through Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk to you today about the power of repentance. Um, relationship and freedom is what I call it, but really it's about the power of repentance. Because really the need for relationship and freedom is so desperate and so urgent among us as human beings. It always has been and it always will be. Do you believe that? That the, the really that urgency and that importance for relationship and freedom. But you know, relationship and freedom only really come through repentance. Did you know that? It comes through rep repentance. And so I believe that in order to be free, you've got to be forgiven. And in order to be forgiven, you've got to repent. That's what the Bible says. So everybody, I think, wants freedom, but I, I think few seek forgiveness. Few, few really seek forgiveness from the Lord because maybe it's because we don't think we need forgiveness from God. Maybe we don't feel we deserve any type of forgiveness from God. I mean, what could we have done that merited forgiveness from God? But how many know the Bible points us in this direction? Jesus pointed us in this direction to repent because we need relationship and freedom Amen, through Jesus Christ. And so uh, repentance is so much about what well, we talked about communion. It really comes down to repentance. Because Jesus shed His blood for the forgiveness of sins. And how many know you cannot receive forgiveness of sins until you repent of your sins? Amen. And so I believe, I believe personally, I, I see this in my own life and I see this through the scriptures, that probably one of the, the greatest gifts or greatest blessing, and that is forgiveness from God. That's probably one of the, the, the most powerful blessings that we could have received from God Himself, and that is forgiveness. Can you imagine? We, we, want, we want God to bless us, as we sang today, with our jobs, with money, with, with so many other things. But can we go back to square one and realize that the first initial blessing was forgiveness through Jesus Christ? I mean, that's how He blesses us. Can you, did you ever thank God for the gift of forgiveness? That he gave you? Did you ever stop and thank God for the blessing of forgiveness? Did you ever say, Lord, thank you for forgiving me? Amen. I know we did that that day we got saved, but have you ever woke up and just said, Lord, thank you that I'm forgiven today? How many know the Bible says that the mercies of God are new every morning? Amen. And so we need to thank God for that on a regular basis. A great promise that we see in the book of Isaiah it says, The Redeemer will come to Zion and He'll come to those in Jacob who repent of their sins. God draws near to people who are repentant. God blesses repentance. God blesses, amen, the need for forgiveness. God blesses that. How many know God brings you into relationship with Him through repentance? Is that right? Amen. 
And I believe we, we, we haven't maybe heard this in so long. We think it's something we can skip over. We can just kind of uh, jump to the next step. But how many know this is the key right here, and that is repentance. It's always been repentance and always will be repentance, amen, for mankind. This is how God moves. This is His will. His will is relationship and freedom through repentance. And I believe that people who repent and turn to the Lord have a blessing in their life. I believe that there is a blessing for those who, now, now many of you heard preachers say that if you're rich and God's meeting your needs, you're blessed. Put your hand on the TV, you'll be blessed today. How many know, amen, God blesses those who repent. God blesses those who turn from their sin and repent. Is that right? Amen. There's a blessing for those who repent. There is a special blessing, if I could say that, for those who turn to God wholeheartedly and turn away from sin. There is a blessing. There's reconciliation and healing and redemption. All these things are in repentance. Did you know there's hope in repentance? There's, there's life in repentance. There's healing and forgiveness in repentance. There's restoration. In, what, what do we want more from God than restoration? What, what do we want more than reconciliation? Nothing. Well, it comes through repentance. Can everybody say amen? Amen. And so we see here that repentance is the key. It absolutely is the key. It's the first condition. It's the condition that God starts with for man is repentance. In fact, John the Baptist and Jesus and Peter's ministry, really the first initial message they all had in common that they started out with was repent. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven. is That's his first message. His first message that he came out with, amen, and greeted the nation with and the people there it was to repent. John the Baptist said that um, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. I'm baptizing you unto repentance. There's one coming that's greater than me. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And so I believe that to be baptized without repentance is simply a waste of time. He said you've got to be baptized. Amen. Is that right? Come on. We've got, we've got to repent. Amen. Many people get baptized and they don't repent. They just get wet. And so that's what that means. And so it's really a waste of time. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter stood up and preached his first initial message. And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the removal of sins. Is that right? Paul preached to both the Jews and the Gentiles to turn to God in repentance and have faith towards Jesus Christ. That was their first message. And probably their greatest message. And I would say the emphasis throughout their whole ministry was repentance. I would say that Jesus said, I didn't come, amen, to, for the clean and the religious. I came to call what? Sinners to repentance. That was his mission, that he, he had repentance on his mind. It was all about repentance towards God. And someone asked the question that do Christians need to repent? Is there a need to repent even among Christians? Well, if you look at the book of Revelation, Jesus talked to seven churches. Five out of those seven churches had to repent. How many know it's important, isn't it? Amen. And so they needed to repent. Let me go back to the Old Testament, the tenth and final plague that we see in the book of Exodus for the great Exodus, before the great Exodus, was about the, the killing or the dying of the firstborn males. And the Bible says that there, there were ten plagues. The tenth plague was the, really the death of the firstborn males, both animals and humans in every house, both Egyptians and Israelites. Amen. This was the last plague. But how many know they were saved from all the other nine plagues 
but they weren't going to be saved from this last plague unless they took an innocent lamb, took its blood, and put it over the doorposts of her home and were in the house at the time of the death angel. This is called the Passover. When the death angel came and he said, when I see the blood over the door, I will pass over that house and they will be saved. They will be saved. And so here's the principle that we even see back then is that before God delivered the children of Israel from bondage, he saved them from death. Is that right? Before he delivered them and gave them freedom, there was the shedding of blood. There was, he saved them from death. So this is the greater principle of that whole account, is that before there is forgiveness, there must be repentance. Before resurrection, there has to be death. Before the tomb, there is the cross. Come on, can you see the picture here? The blood of Jesus is really ineffective to people until they release their sin through repentance. Think about it, amen. I believe that God loves everybody, but I also believe that, but that He doesn't receive anybody without repentance. How many believe God loves everybody? God so loved the world. But He doesn't receive everybody without anybody, really, without repentance. Without that, really, the, the work of repentance in our hearts that we have to do. Hebrews chapter 9, the second half of verse 2 says, Without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There is no removal of sin. How many know before freedom, there has to be repentance? Before relationship, there has to be repentance. If you bypass the, really the need for repentance, you can never have true faith in Jesus Christ. I personally believe that. Amen. You know, look at repentance and the word repentance. I believe that the, as we read and study this word or look at what God says about it in the scriptures, really the most common translation of repent is to turn or to return, to go back, to turn, to turn around. And really the two words that we see here, the two necessities of repentance the scripture talks about is to turn from evil and turn to the good or to turn from sin and turn to God. How many know that's what repentance means? That's what it means. So we always use that, as I have in my PowerPoint, that U-turn symbol. And we're going one way, and we have to turn around and go the opposite way. How many know it's all about that? Good, evil, heaven, hell, right, wrong. It's all about that. You know, you cannot really walk in two directions at the same time, can you? So you're either going one way, or, come on, or you turn around and you're going a complete opposite way. Jesus said, whoever puts his hand to the plow, looking back, is not fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus talked about, I am the way. He said that there is a narrow way. There is a direction that you need to go. So repentance puts you in the right direction with God. Sin puts you in the wrong direction. Did you know that sin is about direction? Sin is about priorities, but it's also about direction. And so Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the right direction to go to. So turn to me in repentance and you'll start going the right way. That's what Jesus said. How many believe that we have to repent? Amen. How many believe that with all your heart? How many believe this is foundational? This is, I mean, it, it's such a, uh, an important, um, really the most critical, theological, really uh, uh, point that we could ever really preach, teach, believe in, and that is turning to God. This is something that is emphasized over and over and over again, especially in the Old Testament. All the prophets would come, and one of the most uh, really pointed messages that they would have was turn 
from evil and turn to God. Ezekiel points it out three times and he says, turn from your evil ways, turn from your idols, turn from your deeds and turn to God. How many know that's what you need to do? How many believe that we need to repent? Two people. I'm telling you, this is probably not the most popular message that I've ever preached, but it's so necessary. It's so important. We can't bypass this. We can't say that somehow that you're just going to float into the kingdom of God and somehow you're just going to get on a good list with God and somehow go to heaven. How many know you? Own, there's only one way that you have to re receive that relationship and freedom, and that is through repentance. Jesus made it clear there's only one door. He is the door. How many know to receive the love of God, you've got to go through that door to understand, come on, and receive eternal life and know what God, you've got to go through that door. Is that right? There's only one way. Well, guess what? With relationship with God and freedom in your life, there's only one way, and that is in repentance. Through repentance. Forgiveness is only through repentance. Amen. Many people say, well, I think I'm forgiven. Well, did you repent? No. Then you're not forgiven. <laughs> Amen. And so I, I really believe that turn. And how many know that we need, uh, you know, really our hearts. When we, when we came to the Lord, we, we turned, didn't we? There was a turning of that day. That day that you said yes to the Lord. That you heard the gospel message and you heard that wonderful story of the cross. And you knew that God loved you. You knew that he died on the cross for you. There was something in your life that all of a sudden you realized you made a turn. Something turned around. You were going one way and you realized I'm starting to go another way. I was going my way. I was going the way of sin and lust and all these other things. But how many know when you, when you repented of your sin, you realized now I'm going a different direction. Now I'm going in a way, amen, that is good and righteous and holy. And that is towards the way of God. Amen. And so I believe that uh, as we talk about this and it's, you, you know, we hear this turn from evil. You know, a lot of people feel that we can turn to God and stay in sin. But you cannot do it. You can't do it. It's like walking in opposite directions at the same time. It's trying to look ahead of you and behind you at the same time. How many know you can't do it? Unless you're an alien, you can't do it. That was a joke. So, you know, you can't do it. And so, really, and this again, so relationship, we talk about relationship, that's turning to God, and freedom is turning from your sin. So in order to know true relationship and true freedom, come on, you turn to God, you turn from your sin, that is through repentance. Amen. And I believe that we're living in a world that desperately needs repentance. Desperately needs forgiveness. How many believe that? Desperately needs the blood of Jesus. Desperately needs cleansing. Desperately needs, amen, eternal life. Uh, do you care about your loved ones? Do you care about your neighbors? Do you care about this world? Then you've got, then you know in your heart, amen, there's only one way that people will discover Jesus and eternal life, and that is through repentance. I don't care how you present it, I don't care what you do or what you believe in one sense, but we all have to come down to this one place. In order to receive forgiveness, we've got to repent. In order to have eternal life, we've got to go this way through repentance. It's got to go this way. Amen? So how do people turn to the Lord? How, as Ezekiel says, turn to the Lord. Well, how do you do that? Well, you do that through repentance. Well, let me just share with you three ways of repentance. Three ways of repentance that I see in the Scriptures. Number one, godly sorrow. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, the Bible says that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow leads to repentance which leads to salvation. 
How many know, and that's your testimony, maybe you, you felt that godly sorrow and you ran to the cross. You fell at the knees of Jesus and said, Lord, I need you. Anybody? Godly sorrow lead, brings people to repentance. One translation says, no longer shrugging your shoulders uh, at God, but be, you become uh, earnest and sincere and very anxious to get rid of your sin. That's what it means to be sorrowful. You, 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 you see the urgency to get right with God. You feel the weight and the shame and the guilt of sin. Is that right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us uh, that we, we don't grieve uh, about like, like people that die. It says that we don't grieve or sorrow the way other people sorrow without hope. How many know there's a different grieving here that he's talking about? He says that, uh, that worldly sorrow brings death. He says we don't even grieve for people that have died and, and our loved ones that have died and, and uh, we don't grieve the same. How many know I'm talking about? So it's a different grief he's talking about, different sorrow. It's not a sorrow that, that you have, the, as the Bible says, the world. He talks about worldly peace. He's talking about worldly sorrow. And, and he says it's different. It's not a sorrow that, you know, you're sad when something happens. I mean, even when a loved one dies and, and something happens in your life and it brings a great sorrow. He said it's not even that kind of sorrow. It's a godly sorrow. It's a sorrow that God brings into your life. It's a sorrow that God allows to come into your life. And He does it with intention for you to come to repentance. Think about it. Godly sorrow. Godly sorrow. Come on, how many know that there's times that people don't have a godly sorrow? It's like a false humility. It's like a false, come on, it's, it's not really humble. They're being false about it. It's not really repentance. It's like, I'm sorry, but. How many know that's not godly sorrow? Uh, you know, it's God's fault that I'm sinning, and so I guess I'll go to church and get li my life right. How many know that's not a godly sorrow? That's not what he's talking about. It's a different kind of sorrow. In the New Testament, repentance really uh, speaks of, when it talks about the turning, it, it talks about a change of mind. You have a change of mind, not just a change of direction, but you have a change of mind. But it also speaks of a great regret, a great remorse. This is a godly sorrow. Repentance requires true brokenness. If you're taking notes, you can put these down. Repentance requires true brokenness. You recognize your sin and you receive the pardon from God. It's, 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 it's true brokenness. It's not fake. It's not false. It doesn't last for a second, then it's gone. It's true brokenness, true humility. And that's what, that's what the genuineness that the scriptures talk about. Repentance is not asking the Lord for forgiveness with the intent to sin again. That's not repentance. Repentance is an honest, regretful acknowledgement of sin with commitment to change. Repentance leads us to cultivate godliness while really eradicating habits that lead to sin. That's repentance. Repentance brings conversion of the heart. That's true repentance. How many know if someone says they're sorry and they change their ways, that's true repentance. Someone that says they're sorry and they keep doing it and keep doing it with the same attitude and the intention of doing it over again, that's not repentance. You might as well not apologize. You might as well just say, I'm going to come to you and say, I'm going to do it again. How <laughs> I many know that's not repentance? Conversion happens in our hearts when we repent before a living God. Conversion without repentance leads to bondage. And that bondage leads to bitterness, which leads to death. How many people are bitter at God, but you go back in their life and they really didn't repent or didn't have a conversion in their heart. They just wanted to be a Christian, so they joined a church, an organization, and wanted to be religious, but they never had true conversion in their heart. True conversion happens when we really repent before the Lord. 
Amen. And so true repentance leads a person to say, I have sinned. And then they prove it with a 180 degree change in their direction. Anybody believe that? Oh, yes, we do. And I believe that 50%, like repentance is 50% of saying you're sorry and 50% of showing you're sorry. That's true repentance. And so I believe that the act of repentance leads to the work of repentance. Jesus talked about it. John the Baptist talked about it. Paul talked about it. Peter talked about it. Confession of sin and water baptism. He said there's, an, there's a work of repentance. There's something that you actually, there's fruits of repentance. There's actually evidence that you have repented. Like everybody sees it. Everybody knows it. There's, it's, it's loud and clear. It's, it's plain to see that you have repented and turned from your sin. Jesus told the woman, he said, go and sin no more. He didn't just say, hey, go and think about not sinning. He said, go and sin no more. There was this action that she had to comply with that she really did turn to the Lord. Come on, somebody. Two Christians, awesome. So I believe that godly sorrow lets us feel the weight, lets us feel the guilt, lets us feel the shame of our sin. It really does. It's like when Jesus carried his cross, we feel that weight, don't we? Jesus took the weight of the cross. He carried that heavy cross through the streets of Jerusalem. That's a picture of us and our sin. We had, we had sin on us. Come on. How many know Jesus took our sin? Jesus carried, amen, that burden. He is the burden bearer, amen. He took our sin. He carried the weight of our sin. But that's what happens when you have godly sorrow. You feel that. You sense that. You feel the sense and you suffer. I mean, you feel the, the suffering that Jesus suffered on the cross. The agony for six hours that he hung there and his body was broken and beaten and bleeding. He felt that, and the Bible says that he was naked. I mean, no, he felt shame. He felt the shame of sin and he did it for us and he took it for us. Aren't you glad? Amen. Today you lift your hand to heaven and say, God, I thank you for taking my sin and my shame on the cross. But that's what happens when there's a godly sorrow that comes. All of a sudden you feel this weight. You feel the, 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 just that tremendous weight and guilt. Amen. But how many know God doesn't want you to carry that? He wants you to bring it to Him and say, God, I give you my sin. I repent of my sin. I turn from my sin. And I take your freedom. I take what you have given me, the salvation of, amen, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The second thing that we see, the way of repentance is not just godly sorrow, but the Bible says it's the goodness of God. Did you know that? It's the goodness of God. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, the second half says, The goodness of God leads to repentance. How many are here today because God was so good to you, couldn't take it anymore? <laughs> Amen. He was so good to you that you just, I mean, just like melted, like, I don't deserve this from God. I don't deserve him, you know, all the sin that was stacked against me, all the paperwork of sin, as the Bible says, that was against me, that, 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 that sentenced me to death. And Jesus stood up and said, I'll take his place. I don't deserve that kind of goodness. I don't deserve that. He did it, and I, I just had to receive what he did. Come on. Amen. And how many believe that the goodness of God leads to repentance? You know, some of you are playing, praying for people and your, your family and you're praying that they come to salvation, but sometimes it's a little harsh the way you're praying. You're praying judgment on them. Why don't you just change your tone a little bit and start praying for the goodness of God? Because the goodness of God leads to repentance. 
Oh, that, that's, that hurts religious. That hurts religious people because we don't want people to come into the Lord that way. We'd rather see them barbecue. But how many know we wouldn't want to come in that way? We wanted the goodness of God. We wanted the mercy of God. Come on. And so we need to pray that God does that in other people. God, let them see your goodness. Let them see your love, that you've loved them their whole life. You've, you've, been, you've been carrying, taking care of them, and you've been doing things for them. God, bless them so they'll, be, they'll come to repentance. Bless them in such a way that they'll give you glory. Bless them in such a way that they'll recognize you, you did it, your hand's in their life, and they've got to turn to you. The goodness of God leads to repentance. And the Bible states here as Romans, he's talking, he says, and he says, to give you time to turn from your sin, his kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Aren't you glad for God's long suffering? Aren't you glad for his patience with you? Amen. That he just he he worked and he worked with you and time after time and time after time. Is there anybody in the room that said God was long suffering with me? Amen. I mean, he just waited and waited and come on. But the whole time. His goodness was there, leading me to repentance. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. I'm going to try to hurry along. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, verse 7, in whom we have redemption through the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? The goodness of God leads to repentance. See, this is love and mercy at its greatest point. Right here. The goodness of God. Why? Because He's good to somebody that doesn't love Him. Because He's kind to someone that doesn't like Him. Because He's good to those who despise Him. He's good to those who speak evil of Him. He's good to them. That's why Jesus could say, show goodness to those who speak evil against you. Bless those who curse you. Why? Because we were the ones. Jesus was talking about us. We're the ones cursing. He's the one blessing. Come on, anybody. Come on, amen. We were the ones that were saying all kinds of evil things against him and his name. And the whole time he's blessing. The whole time the goodness of God, amen, was poured out on us. We didn't deserve it. Amen. But he did it anyway. Now let me just say this about grace. And Ephesians chapter says this praise of his glory, of his grace. This is so amazing is that this is that really we come under grace when we repent. His goodness leads us to that place where we receive it. His grace, I mean, His goodness leads us to repentance. It comes up. But you know something? God's love, God loves, He loved me as a sinner. How many know God loves a sinner? Come on. And we hear that old saying, God loves the sinner and hates the sin. But let me just say this. God's love does not pardon sin. Repentance does. That's why Paul, Paul said in Romans, should we sin that grace may abound, God forbid. So we come under that grace when we repent. It's there and God has it there and He has mercy for us. But we've got to come in through the door. We've got to come the way that He's made. We've got to do it the way He wants us to do it. Then we receive, come on, then we receive the blessing. Then we receive salvation. Then we receive forgiveness. And we come under the grace to live. Come on somebody, amen. The grace, hallelujah, is, is really when we repent. And that's, people don't understand that because they feel that the grace of God, it, you know, the, the grace of God is not flawed. It's not weak. Come on, somebody, what it means. And it doesn't excuse or make room for sin, does it? But it causes us to live above sin. Is that right? Not live with sin. So that's how I know that. 
And so I believe that the mercy of the Lord is so great. This is the love of God and the mercy of God that leads us to this place of repentance. I believe that the grace is for repented sin, not petted sin. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. We'll talk about that later. But God's goodness, God's kindness to me, think about this. God's goodness, God's kindness to me as a sinner are so undeserved and so overwhelming that I can't stand in His presence. That I just can't stand and look at Jesus in, in those, these eyes of a flame of fire, those eyes of passion and those eyes of love. I can't stand there in haughtiness and arrogance and said, I don't need you or, or I can do this on my own. How many know, like Peter, Peter was, was a man that, I mean, he was just, he, he was a, he wasn't really the best Jew that you've ever seen in your life. He was in there. He was hanging in there. Come on. But Jesus did something good for him before he believed in him. Jesus brought him to repentance. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that he got in his boat. Before Peter even knew him, he got in his boat and he said, Go out and you're going to catch the greatest uh, drought of uh, fish, or the greatest, the biggest catch you've ever seen in your life. You're going to catch it. I mean, Peter had never seen that many fish in one net in his whole life. This, he probably never would see it again. This was thousands and thousands and thousands of shekels worth. I mean, it, I'm, come on, come on. I mean, this was amazing. God did this for him. And what did he say? God, get away. Jesus, get away from me. I'm a sinner. How many know the goodness of God led him to repentance? Can you say amen? How many can say that God did that in my life? He healed me, he touched me, he came to me in my worst and he said, I love you, I want you, I desire to have a relationship with you. Amen, because the goodness of God leads us to repentance, amen. And the third thing, and that is the gospel light. The gospel light, and it's not just godly sorrow, the Bible says, that leads us to repentance. It's not just the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, but it's the gospel light that leads us to repentance. How many believe that? It's the gospel that leads you to salvation. The gospel points you in the direction of, of eternal life and Jesus and, and healing and deliverance. The gospel does that. And I want to take a moment and just read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, and then the beginning of chapter 4, because it goes together. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 16, but it says, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And we Real quick, he was talking about the Jewish people. He said, even to this day, there's a veil. Just like Moses had that veil over his face, there's a veil over their eyes that they really uh, can't see the Messiah, Jesus being the Messiah. But it said that when they, their heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the, spirit of the, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. We're talking about relationship and freedom today. In chapter 4, verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the glory of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in them. Or the glorious gospel, it says, should shine in their heart. So he, what does he say here? He says that there's a veil over people's face and, and heart, as it were. Amen. But the key verse is, anyone who turns to the Lord. Anyone who turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. There's liberty and freedom that come when we believe in Jesus Christ. But how many know that veil is taken away when we what? Turn to the Lord. How do we turn to the Lord? Through repentance. 
We say, Lord, forgive me. I'm going this way. And I notice, I realize it, I recognize it. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And we turn and we go the other way towards God. How many know we turn from our sin and we turn to God through repentance. And the Bible says there's freedom and there's liberty in Jesus Christ. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord brings liberty, brings freedom and relationship. Hallelujah. And so we see this. And so, you know, the gospel light has a way of just absolutely opening our eyes, doesn't it? It opens our understanding. The gospel has a way. I mean, the, Jesus said the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. How many know what I'm talking about? How many remember that day that when you heard the gospel, you heard the, the story, the good news of Jesus Christ? Some of you, it messed with you for a few years until you finally got it. Until you, that's what happens when you, the gospel comes in as light. All of a sudden, you get it. You understand. Wait a second. I understand. God loves me. He's my Savior. I need a Savior. I'm a sinner. And the only way I can do that is to repent of my sin. Hallelujah. There's a light that comes on. There's an illumination that happens in your heart. The gospel brings light. The gospel points you in the direction of where you need to go, who God is, why you're here on this earth, your purpose, come on, and why you're born, and all those. The gospel is light to you. Come on, somebody. So how many know that, go that godly sorrow brings you to repentance? The goodness of God brings you to repentance, and the gospel brings you to repentance. It puts you in that place of seeing your great need for a Savior, for a great Savior. Is that right? All of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, the Bible is real. Jesus is real. He's not just a symbol of Christianity. All of a sudden I realize he's a man. He's not a statue. He's not a crucifix. He's real. And he loves me. And he truly, I, I mean, I, and I believe that he lives. How many know that's illumination? That is the light that comes in through the gospel. But the Bible says the key is turning to the Lord. You can't have freedom without repentance. I mean, no, you can't have true freedom and without repentance. You can't have relationship with God without repentance. The Bible says that we can't, it's not our works of righteousness which we have done, but it's only through Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody, amen. It's only through the blood. And so we have to believe that and receive that. And so, in closing, I just want to leave you with the scripture in Acts chapter 17, verse 30. The Bible says that truly the times of ignorance, God winked at, He overlooked, but now God commands all men everywhere to repent. Think about it. There was a time when God winked at things and means that he kind of, he knew it was there. He said, I'm not really going to deal with it right now. I know it's there. How many know that's kind of like one of those chores that you have to do? I know I got to do it. I really don't want to look over there because I know I have to do it. Come on, somebody. He winked at it. The Bible says he overlooked it. But now, now, Peter preached, now he's commanding every man, everybody, everybody to repent. So how is God doing that? How is God commanding Williamsport? How is God commanding our family to repent? How is God doing that? I'll tell you, it's through you and I. It's through you and I. It's through His people. God's doing that. He's calling people to repentance through His people. Amen. God uses His people to preach the gospel, to do the works of Christ, to, to do good works, to that people will see those things, hear those things, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen? So God is commanding everybody, everybody to repent. How many know nobody is excluded? Nobody. Kings, presidents, rich people, poor, nobody is excluded. Every man has to come to this place of repentance. Is that right? Amen. This is when we understand 
the full expression of God's love and mercy is when we repent. You really don't understand the full expression of God's love until you repent, do you? Come on, amen? Come on, Christians. I want you to get that rest out there this morning. I want you to kind of grease that, amen, memory of when you got saved and how awesome it is to be saved. And amen, remember how uh, incredible this great salvation that we have is. And don't ever forget it. That's why Jesus said, when you take communion, don't ever forget, don't ever forget the power of the blood of Jesus, the power, amen, that's in the salvation of Jesus through repentance. Don't ever forget that we need to repent. Don't ever come to the place that we think that we can do without it. But how many know the Bible says that all men need to repent? God is not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want anybody to die without Him. Nobody. Can we have that same passion today? Can we say have that same heart for our family, our neighbors, our city, our nation? Can we have that same desire that Jesus had? He said, I didn't come to call righteous. I came to call sinners to repentance, to relationship and freedom through Jesus Christ. Can we stand on our feet today? Someone said, Brother Matt, I believe that God has already done the work of forgiveness for everybody on the cross. There's no need for anybody to repent and be sorry for what they did and feel guilt for their sin. I, I feel that Jesus did it all. I think He just completely did it. Everybody's already saved. They just don't know it. They just need to know it. I'm going to know the Bible says, amen, that what happened at Calvary is that God made it possible to be saved. God made it possible to be saved. God finished the work at Calvary and every man needs to come to that place. He made it possible for us to be free. He made it possible for us to know Him. He, he made it possible for us to walk in the grave. He made it possible for us to be healed and delivered and set free. But we've got to take the step. And we've got to go through the door, through Jesus Christ, with repentance. Can anybody say amen? So I want to repeat what I said at the very beginning. The greatest blessing from God is repentance. The greatest thing that we can ever talk about, one of the greatest things that we can ever talk about, yes, it's the love, yes, it's the mercy, but it's the forgiveness that God shows humanity. The fact that He reached over that canyon, hallelujah, now build a bridge called the cross. Come on, somebody, amen, with just a board and three nails, and He, he made a way, a way for us to know Him made a way for us to be free from our sin, free from death and hell and destruction, made it free, possible that we can be free, and that one day when we lay this old body down, we'll be free forever in eternity with Him. We'll know true freedom in heaven. We'll know true liberty. Amen. When we're there and we're seeing the angels sing to the Lord, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. How many know that's the freedom our heart truly desires? Amen. That's what, we were, that's what we were born for, is to know God and to know the freedom that's in Jesus Christ. But that only happens through repentance. And so the way to freedom is turning back to God. Today, maybe you are away from God. Maybe you're going in another direction than God. Maybe you're going in the opposite direction. You don't know Him. You don't know His love. And you don't know what it is to walk in forgiveness. Maybe you're enjoying your sin and maybe you're doing it willfully and maybe you're doing it with intention and purpose that you're truly running the opposite direction and you're going in the opposite direction. I really have a, a really a, a, an obligation by the Lord to tell you, you need to turn. It's time to return. It's time to turn back. It's time to repent and come back and go back towards goodness. Go back towards love. Go back towards grace and mercy and goodness. Come on, and righteousness. Go back to, amen, a heart that's full of joy and strength and peace and hope. 
turn back to that way. Amen. So today I, I really do that in love. And I say, listen, if you're here in this room and you need to turn around, it starts with just a simple prayer. Lord, I repent. I turn from my sin and I completely embrace you. I turn to you. Amen. Today, can we just bow our heads and thank the Lord? Lord, we just thank you for your great salvation. What a plan. What a pl- we, we would have never thought of it that way. We would never have come up with that. Good. We can't do it. We still can't do it with all our technology and all our, all our wisdom today. We still can't find a way to be saved without repentance. We can't do it, Lord. We can't be saved without the blood of Jesus. We, we can't find a way. We can't give enough money. We can't do enough works. We can't do it on our own. We can't think about it enough. We can't come to a mental place of, a, of, of illumination that we would be saved. We've got to come through the door. And today, Lord, that door, amen, is marked repentance. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that if we repent of our sins, you are faithful and you are just to forgive us of all our sin and unrighteousness instantly when we confess our sin, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that it doesn't take days, weeks, months, years. No penance is involved in paying money and waiting and crawling over glass. Lord, you said that in the day that I call out to you, you hear me. And I thank you today that it's right now, right here, today, you're, you're, Lord, forgiving people, amen, that they're repenting of their sin instantly. Lord, we thank you for it. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for your love today. In Jesus' name, amen.